Thanks for that last um, hymn, John. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. That's kind of the theme of where we're going today. And so I thank God for putting that on your heart so that we could sing it together today. And as we come to God's word, before we read his word, I want to tell you how I've come to land on this passage. Um, the Lord burned two images in my heart as I've been watching the media and seeing what happened in Turkey and Syria. And I believe the death tolls now are 50,000 people dead and 160,000 buildings destroyed. Think of that. We thought Christchurch was big. The one image that's burnt into my, into my mind is um, they had a video there of all these uh, Muslims um, bowed over in prayer. Thousands of them in this massive mosque. But who are they praying to? In time of such great need. There's such a need out there for the gospel. That's the one. The other image is of the recent flooding in the Hawke's Bay. And that's still ongoing. And that the Esk Valley specifically. And one, one video clip just is burnt into my mind too. And that's of a farmer. And they were interviewing this farm and saying, so your whole farm's destroyed. What now? And he was in tears trying to speak to this reporter and saying, I've got nothing and no one else. We've got to just do it again. And he seemed lost with no help. And it really cried to my heart. Because we have a message too. And if only people would realize how much they need him. And we keep that message to ourselves. Let's see what God's word says to us through the book of Isaiah. But I'm going to pray first before we come to God's word. Let's pray. Lord, Burn your message of hope into our hearts. Give us the eyes to see those who do not yet know you. So that, Lord, we would not hesitate to use opportunities you give us to speak your word. To bring hope to others who need you. There's so much hopelessness in this world, Lord. So many millions and millions of people who don't know the true way. Those who are overcome by what happens in our lives with earthquakes and floods and everything else that happens. And, and that seems to be the greatest disaster to them. But there's a greater disaster waiting. And that's when you return and people have still not given their hearts to you. They will be lost for all eternity. Burn that image into our hearts, Lord. And so as we look at your word through the book of Isaiah today, Lord, just stir in our hearts the urgency of your gospel. And Lord, may it start in our own lives in the way that we have our relationship with you. In the way that we first try and help ourselves before we turn to you. 
so that we would see that help is at hand for us even today. Burn that into our hearts too, we pray. And so make your word come alive to us from this Old Testament prophecy because your spirit is among us and you do your work in us now. Help us, Lord, we pray. Amen. Let's turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 46, and I'm going to read the whole chapter, but we'll be spending our time in verses 12 and 13 specifically. So, Isaiah, chapter 46. So, Baal and Nebo, there's two gods of the Babylonians, so that's who we're going to start with. Baal and Nebo, the gods of Babylon bow as they are lowered to the ground. They are being hauled away on ox carts. The poor beasts stagger under the weight. Both the idols and the owners are bowed down. The gods cannot protect the people and the people cannot protect the gods. They go off into captivity together. Listen to me, says the prophet Isaiah to the people of Israel. Listen to me, descendants of Jacob, all you who remain in Israel. I've cared for you since you were born. Yes, I carried you before you were born. I will be your God throughout your lifetime. Until your hair is white with age, I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. So to whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Some people pour out their silver and gold and hire a craftsman to make a god from it. Then they bow down and worship it. They carry it around on their shoulders. And when they set it down, it stays there. It can't even move. And when someone prays to it, there is no answer. It can't rescue anyone from trouble. Do not forget this. Keep it in mind. Remember this, you guilty ones. Remember the things I've done in the past. For I alone am God. I am God. And there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it ever happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. For I do whatever I wish. I will call a swift bird of prey from the east. A leader from a distant land to come and do my bidding. I've said what I would do, and I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn people who are so far from doing right. For I am ready to set things right. Not in the distant future, but right now. I am ready to save Jerusalem and show my glory to Israel. I'm sure you all know what the international distress signals are. All right, all of you all studied up on these things in case you're ever lost at sea or somewhere. Yep, know what to do. Good, I'll carry on then. Well, the international distress symbol colors are orange and black. And um, there is the international distress symbol. So if you're ever lost on a desert island, uh, you put out those symbols and all will be well. Or you can resort to the SOS if you've got a radio device of some kind and you can tap out. Anyone know the SOS? 
dot, 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 dash, 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 dot, dot, dot. They don't use that anymore now, but hey, some people have been saved by using that. Banging on the sides of submarines when they've been trapped. Or the international hand signal if you need to be saved. Anyone know what that is? Hello, I'm here. No? No? Do you know what it is? You stand in a big cross like this, and then you really wave your arms around when you see the helicopter. But that means I need to be saved. It's an international distress um, position. And then if you're on a boat, there's red flares. If you're in trouble, you shoot off a red flare. No other um, um, color. A red flare is, means I need to be saved. Uh, today in our modern um, society, we've got uh, EPIRBs or emergency position indicating radio beacons. They build them into all aircraft so that when an aircraft comes down, it automatically sends out that signal. Or, uh, as us guys who are going away, we've all got personal locator beacons, which means if you come off your motorbike and you're lying on the side in a ditch um, and you send off a signal, the helicopter will come. What does all this mean? It means when you're sending off any of these things, it means help. I can't do this myself anymore. I need help from outside me. Help. Otherwise, why do it? And that's what this whole passage is all about. The Lord is saying to Israel, you should be crying help, but you're not. You need help from outside of you, but you're not even crying distress. And he wants to, through the prophet, make them aware that they need help. They're in a sad spiritual state. They're spiritually dead. And they don't know that they need help. And so the, the prophet Isaiah, who was a prophet in, over Judah 700, around about 740 B.C., spoke to these people who were under constant Assyrian threat and occupation. And this chapter, chapter 46, is predicting about the time 200 years later in their history when Judah would go into exile under the Babylonians. They're being persecuted by them now, but they haven't gone into exile yet. And God is urging his people to look around at the pagan nations who are now surrounding them and to learn to walk uprightly before him before they go into captivity. Do you get that? They need to realize they're in trouble now before it gets even worse. And so he warns them against the futility of worshiping other gods. Because what were the people doing? They were already starting to emulate and to copy their foreign um, persecutors. They were also starting to worship the gods of Baal and Nebo. And so he reminds me, what are these gods? These people have made these gods. They've painted them up. They've golded them, gilded them up, and then they have to carry them around. And these gods are dead, inanimate objects, and yet they worship them. When I was in India years ago, uh, not so long ago, um, in one state where we were traveling through, we noticed they were making the elephant god. And they, were, they had this production line of elephants, all in different stages of production. Some with trunks, some without trunks, some had been painted pink, others hadn't been painted pink yet. And they were putting them all together. And yet people were worshipping these gods that they'd made. 
And so he says to them, it's futile to worship other gods. And he reminds them, I, Jehovah God, have carried you from before you were born, right through your lifetime, until your hair was gray and white with age. I've carried you, says the Lord. And yet, you don't see that you're in trouble because you've turned your back on me. And so he says to them, guard your thoughts from rebellion. You see, it's a, mes- it's a message for the present. You are in a state of rebellion now, he says to his people. Not one day, now you are in that state. Recognize it, you're in trouble. Send out the SOS to me. Remember who I was, who I am, and who I will be, says God. Who am I? I am Jehovah Elohim. I am God, the only God, the sovereign God. You've forgotten who I am. And so in chapter 46, he also prophesies about the future, as we'll see today, that even when Israel and Judah were in captivity, God would remain unchanged and he would bring salvation to them in the end. He foretells that. And so that's what God did in Judah and Israel's history. He saved a remnant from that captivity that we are only pointing to now. He saved a remnant of them. He returned them to Zion or Jerusalem as was his promise. And then from that remnant, 500 years later, he sent true salvation. Who was that? Jesus Christ, the heir of David's throne, Messiah, came. As God had said. But that's in the future. You see, God's own Son would bring ultimate freedom and salvation to these very people He's speaking to now. And not just to Israel and Judah, but to every tribe and tongue across time. And that includes you and I. You see, that message of freedom that He's speaking to them over here in chapter 46 in the Bible, which is a historic document now. But it's a living word because it speaks to you and I here in Wanganui in 2023. That same freedom is available to us. God has brought his righteousness near to you and I. Salvation is available today. And you're saying, well, I'm a believer, so what? Salvation is available today to you too. Let's see how. Verse 12, he starts off by showing them their true state. Verse 12, listen to me, you stubborn people who are so far from doing right. Who of us is perfect before the Lord? Put up your hand, please. If you live a perfect life, if you live a perfect life, put up your hand. What's God's word to us? You so far from me, you stubborn people who live unholy lives. So it's speaking to you and I, right? So we need to listen now. It's not just for the other people. It's you and I. He says, listen to me. That word stubborn-minded is a combination of stiff-hearted and you've lost heart. Your heart is not where it should be. So stiff-hearted and you've lost your heart to where it should be. Stiff-hearted because you don't want to really change. Lost, you've lost your heart because 
You've turned your eyes off God Almighty. You're not even calling for help. There's no distress signal or flare in sight in your life and mine. Because we think we're okay. God's saying, I am a holy God. I want you to be holy as I am holy. Where are the flares in your life showing that you need me? You're so independent, says God. But you're so lost in your independence. You don't even know it. And so he says, he brings us and he shows us our real state. He's saying, you are rebellious before me. Your heart is. And my friend, if you don't even realize that you are lost, then you need to be saved today. I don't care if you've been coming to this church for 85 years. If you don't realize that you need to be saved by God, you need to be saved by Him. Don't just think because you've been coming, it's okay. The Lord's going to look at your membership certificate, and there's not many of you with that, by the way. We need to work on that. Oh, that's a little plug quickly. And he's going to say, oh, you went to Wanganese Baptist Church for 85 years. Just, just come in, here's a seat. No. The Lord's going to look straight at your heart, my friend. And if you haven't at some time in your life sent a distress signal to God to say, I'm lost, I need you, then you're still lost. Church membership won't save you. Church attendance won't save you. You need to come to Jesus Christ. Salvation is available to you today, and the Lord has brought righteousness near to you today. Why? Because I'm standing here making noise in the pulpit. And that's the message that's coming. He says, "You listen to me, you stubborn-minded people who are far from righteousness. What does that mean? It, it means literally far from uprightness uprightness and right standing with God. You see, our default position before God, because we are sons of Adam, is this. If you're a created being and you are because you're sitting here, then this is the state of our condition before God saves us. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now you'll notice that word all does not exclude your name. It does not say for all, bracket, except Calvin, have sinned and fall short. No one. That's our default position. I don't care how good a person you are. I don't care if you're a good old Kiwi and you do everything right and you even vote right. It's not going to save you. Unless God has changed your heart, you are sinful and you fall short of the glory of God. And Psalm 14 verse 1 to 3 says, There is none righteous, not even one. Doesn't matter what age you are here either. Whether you're a teenager, whether you're the oldest person in the building. Whether you are younger than a teenager and you can understand what I'm saying. You are lost without Christ. You need to come to Him. Hear the words from my mouth today. Now please note, God has an overruling purpose of grace. The world will say, because they don't want to hear the message, they say, ah, the Christianity, is, he's just an angry God who wants to kill and to judge people. Look at the Bible. Look at all these people who were killed in the Old Testament. He's an angry God. No, he's a holy God. 
and he can't endure any sin before him. And so he will judge all sin and all sinners. But here's the other side. He is also a God of grace who wants to see anyone and everyone who will come to him saved. And saved by that grace, that love which is poured out on people when they don't deserve it at all. In actual fact, they deserve the opposite. He offers his grace, his forgiveness, his new life to all people. Isaiah 55 verse 3 says, Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. My friend, if that's all you hear today, I want to plead with you. Listen to this message today and live. God's righteousness, he will make you right with him, is available to all who would take up that offer. To anyone. Why? Because in the end, it's not about you. It's about him. Because when you are saved by his grace, guess what? He's glorified. It's all about Him. It's about His glory. And He has said, I have sent my Son into the world to save the world so that the world might come to me and know what it is to be saved. Yes? It's not about us. We're so used to it all being about us. It's about me. No. When we are saved, we become something. We become a witness to the nations, we become a witness to everyone around us that what? That we are such a good person. That Look at us now. We're living such a different life. No, we become a witness to all the nations that He is so good, that He has saved us, that He has brought us from death to life. It's about Him. My friend, if you're a believer here today, are you a witness to Jesus' saving power? Or are you a witness to the world about how good you are? That's a challenge to you and to me. Are you living out his message to the world, his message of grace, his message of undeserved mercy, which points to his glory? And to do that, you need to recognize that only he can save you. And only he has saved you. And so there's this offer of salvation, verse 13. Look at what it says. For I am ready to set things right, says the Lord to his people, not in the distant future, but right now, says God. You see, this is God speaking right across time to his people about something which is still to happen. He's speaking from the present to the past to the future, and he's all the same God. His salvation is to captive Judah, and it's already at hand for them, even though the event hasn't happened yet. Do you get that? He's speaking to them as if he's already saved them. Because to him, time does not exist. And it's so certain that he has saved them, that he speaks in that tense when it hasn't actually happened yet. You need to understand that. Why? Because he's almighty, omniscient. And all-powerful God. When he says it will happen, it will happen. As we read in this chapter. And even though it hasn't happened yet, 
You need to see his grace and his compassionate heart. He speaks to them right across time, into their time and into the future to say, I am the God who saves. Yes, I've done it already. No, I haven't. It will happen. And so he says, I bring near my salvation to you now in these words. Who's the active party? I'll read that sentence again. I bring near my salvation. Who's the active party? Not Israel. God. He is the one who brings near his salvation. Not just in delivering Israel and therefore bringing in the Messiah, but also in bringing it to you and I today. He brings near his salvation to our hearts. It's right here in the room with us. His salvation is available. He's brought it to this place today to hear this message. He's brought you here to hear this message. What will you do with it? His salvation is near. Will you take it up? There's only two ways to respond. Yes, Lord. I am a sinner who has been saved by grace. Lord, thank you for saving me. None of me, all of you. Thank you for your grace. Or, Lord, I need you to save me. Become Lord of my life. I give you my life today. I can't pay for my sin. Only you have done it. Or, you turn your back and you walk away. He says, my, my message of hope is not far off, says our text. You see, when his people were discouraged and thought they could no longer endure, he brought salvation. You might even feel that way today. I don't know what you're all going through in life, all right? I'm the pastor, but I'm the last one to know usually. I only find out after the fact usually, because I get a text. We all go through different stuff. We all go through different stuff. He's saying to you today, my salvation is near in your situation. Send off the distress flare. I will rescue. I will come in. I will, the almighty or powerful or knowing God, will come into your situation. Yes, I know about you. I know your situation. I need you to tell me, Lord, help me. Send off that flare. Set off the epurb. He will answer. He's not far off. His salvation is near. And do you know how near it is? It's as close as a bent knee and a question. A bent knee to say, I am not master. You are master. Will you save me, God? You need to acknowledge Him as Lord. And then you need to ask God to free you from your helpless condition. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to your cross I cling. If you've got something in your hands that you're offering God as a bartering piece, my friend, you're not ready to be saved. If your goodness is what's going to save you, you are not ready to be saved. You are still on your way to an eternity without Him. It's only when you empty your hands of everything and cling to Christ alone that He can save. And my friend, I'm speaking to everyone here who I think are believers. If you haven't yet come to Christ on His merits alone, not on yours, you are not saved. Don't kid yourself. And don't kid us. 
come to him and be saved. He says in Isaiah 53 verse 1 to 3, Come all who are thirsty. Come to me and I will give you the living waters. Come to him. Receive life. Get salvation. Get freedom. And you don't get that without asking him. You've got to ask. You've got to set off the flare. It's not going to happen automatically. And this urgency here, verse 13, he says, I will carry along and save you. My salvation will not delay. The old English word for this word delay is it will not tarry. Just kind of hang around. My salvation will not delay. When you call my name, I'll be there. And I will save you. Immediately. When you need me. This is not a get round to it Christianity. This is not a get round to it being saved. Because then you're not really in need of a savior. Verse 13 carries on. It says, I made you, I will, sorry, wrong verse. I am um, ready to save Jerusalem and show my glory to Israel. You see, at the right time in God's plan, God would bring salvation to captive Israel and Judah. And he would do it for his glory. A question. Would the gracious purpose of God be defeated by Judah's sin? Would Judas sin be so big that God would not save them? Saying, no, that's it, too much. No, not at all. The whole of Isaiah's prophecy teaches that although God must purify his people through judgment, he has an overruling purpose of grace. He will keep his promises of salvation to them, not because of their obedience, but because of his own nature and purpose. Why would God save Israel and Judah? Because they were good people? No. Because they really tried hard? No. Because they didn't sin that much? No. He, the only reason he would save Israel was because of his nature. He is a God of grace. He is a God of forgiveness. He is a judge. He will do what's right. He sent his son. And so why would he not forgive? It's because of him. And I take great courage in that because nothing I can do can be good enough. But everything I bring to God and all my wanting to please him, I bring to God. And if I do it because of Jesus Christ and with the help of Jesus Christ, then it glorifies him. Otherwise, it's just religion. And so ultimately in history, history shows us that God's salvation did arrive for his people. He did restore Jerusalem in the end. And the heathen king rebuilt it. He never saw that coming. Old Cyrus, he never thought he was going to rebuild Jerusalem. And though God reduced his people to a remnant through his judgment, his salvation still came from that remnant. History shows us, as prophesied, who was born? Jesus Christ was born from the lineage of David and he died on the cross for his people's sin. God's grace was put on display and made available. 
He was glorified. And today, nothing's different. The only hope of the world is bound up in one man, David's heir, God's only son, Jesus Christ. And when he saves, he is glorified. Now, we know that now. So now, what do we do with it? I've got two groups of people I want to speak to, and then we'll be finished. First one is to any of you who are unbelievers. To any of you who have still not bowed the knee to Jesus Christ. And remember, I can't read your heart, but he can. This morning, recognize that by nature you are far from righteous. You're a sinner who needs to be saved by grace. Your heart is stiff-hearted before the Lord. You're rebellious. You're pushing away from your only help. To now. So recognize God's offer of salvation and freedom from sin this morning. And it's nearby and it's urgent. You need to personally come to Him and say, Lord, help me set off the flare. Help is at hand, but will you receive that help? Recognize King Jesus as your only salvation. No other gods, no other ways to come, no other religions, no other way to try and please God. There's only one way. Repentant trust in Him alone. No other gods before Him. Would you come to Him today? If you don't want to do so right now, see me afterwards. Let's speak to God. But you need to come. The message is here in Wanganui, in this auditorium this morning. Are you hearing? You might not have it again. And then to all you believers out here, those who know God's grace has been at work, those who have at some point in your life sent out that distress signal and God has come and He's been there in that instant and He has saved you. What's your heart like in everyday life now? Oh, He's done it. That's alright. I can take it from you. We need to be asking His help. Every single moment of every single day. Because in that very moment we don't ask his help is when we're sinning. Because we try and work things and it's imperfect. The moment we do it. We need to constantly be in a state of emergency before God. And he pours out his grace on us and he helps us. And our lives speak out about a living God working in living people into a living situation. And people see that and God's name is glorified and their lives are touched and they are drawn to the Savior. But depend on Him. He is the God who is near. His salvation is near to you and I. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us because we are a stiff-hearted we think we can get away with just living life. And yes, we're believers and we've given our hearts to you, Lord, but in our everyday lives, there are so many things that we do without even a thought of you. And in that we're sinning. 
Lord, save us from worshipping any other gods in our lives. Because they are inanimate, dead objects. They are not the living God. You alone are the living God. So turn my eyes to you, I pray. Turn my heart to you, I pray. Pour your grace and forgiveness on our lives. And thank you, Jesus Christ, for making all this possible, Lord. May our daily lives be so absorbed by our relationship with you that it affects every single part of that life. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I do pray for any here that have now heard the message. Lord, may they not turn their backs on the living God. May they realize that without you, there is utter hopelessness, darkness, helplessness for all eternity. May they turn to you and receive your forgiveness, your grace today. Because they hear your message. Do your work, I pray, through your spirit.